Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Austin Cohen. He's the CEO and founder of Flexit, a fitness platform that offers access to personalized virtual personal training sessions from acclaimed trainers and instructors from brands such as Blink, Gold's, Solid Core, Physique 57, SLT, and many more. Welcome to the show, Austin. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Well, you have a very unique business model and I'm really interested to dive in and kind of see how all of that got started. So just let's kick things off with sharing a little bit about your background and ultimately what led you to found Flexit. Um, So thanks again, excited to be here and to discuss myself and all things Flexit with you. I started Flexit back in 2018 and we formally launched the company in 2019. So we are a little over two years new. Uh, not old, but new. By way of background, I'm from New York. I've spent about half my career in venture and the other half operational with early stage companies with a focus on consumer in health and wellness, hospitality, technology. Always been very, very passionate about sports and fitness. I played sports in college. I went to Columbia University for my undergrad. I also went to Columbia Business School for my MBA. A lot of what we're doing here at Flex, it is in partnership with Columbia Business School and has been informed by the business school and my experiences. But having spent about half my career in consumer venture and operating early stage companies, and as a fitness consumer, I looked at the last, call it 10 years of millennial and generation Z access, and everything was being accessed with a few clicks at the tips of one's fingers using a smartphone, whatever you wanted, food, transportation, hospitality, very, very a la carte. And that same way of accessing hasn't been possible or hadn't been possible for 2018 in fitness. In boutique fitness, consumers were able to hyper a la carte, access their boxing, their boot camp, but they were not able to do the same at a gym. So if I was traveling, I was on the road or I moved to a new neighborhood and I wanted to try a bunch of different gyms in the same way that I would access my hospitality, my, my hotel, get an Uber, get a Lyft, order food. I was not able to. A bunch of years back, I was part of a group that started a big private jet business called Wheels Up, which IPO'd back in July of this year. And what we did there was we broke time down into smaller increments so that it was accessible to more people. And in, in that experience, in that way of building and creating for consumers, I really started to dig in and think about how could we cater to millennial and Generation Z consumption preferences in 2017 so that we could bring what folks were accessing in other verticals to fitness, to traditional gyms. ClassPass obviously had a very meaningful impact on the trajectory of fitness access over the last 10 years. And I really felt like the traditional gyms were being neglected in the way of helping the clubs to market to millennials and generations years. 
And so at the beginning in 2017, when I was really digging into what the opportunity was, the premise was always to create a most operator friendly and centric way for people to visit gyms. I really wanted to make sure that all the operators that we were gonna work with were unbelievably comfortable with the concept that we were bringing to them for these folks that they would be bringing through their doors vis-a-vis -vis us. The most important thing for me for consumers was that the access paralleled everything else in their lives. So the way that Flexit worked when we launched the company in 2019 was we were facilitating access to gyms on an a la carte by the minute basis that was entirely seamless. So our users, we don't have members, it's pure pay per use, would walk into any gym that's on our platform. They barely had to stop their feet. There's no tour, there's no paperwork. Consumers clock in and clock out. They're paying for the actual minutes that they're consuming. And these consumers have access to all of the amenities that the clubs have to offer. So if one went to a gym and played basketball at that gym for three hours on a weekend, he or she's paying for three hours worth of time. Whereas if someone stayed for 10 minutes, they're paying for 10 minutes worth of time. But we did this in a way that the operators, like I said, would feel really comfortable with. And so we were in partnership on pricing. We were in partnership on how we were marketing. And in setting things up in an operator-friendly way, we were able to establish a model that was in line with the consumption preferences of what millennials and Gen Zers were looking for, as well as the operators. And so I like to call that a happy marriage with any marketplace. It's absolutely essential that the supply and the demand are aligned. If they're not, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to create a tension. And the last thing I wanted to do was for there to be any tension that was felt on the part of the operators, because you got to have supply before you have the consumers. And so um, spent the better part of 2017 trying to figure out how we could put this model together that would work for both sides of the marketplace. Started building this out in 2018. We launched in 2019 and things really took off once we scaled our supply up. What was some of the feedback that you heard from the gyms when you ultimately, you know, when you originally went and, and spoke to them about this idea? Because it's quite a de departure from the traditional fitness gym membership. So what was that feedback? Absolutely. Uh, so I would say you, that to anyone who's, who's, who hasn't tried to sell a no-cost product, you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to sell a no-cost product. Our product for, for gym access, our flexible gym access tool, which is available in the App Store, iOS and Android. Um, is a no-cost product to gyms and studios. And I would argue that it is harder to sell a no-cost product than it is to, um, to sell a product with a price point. Um, we did a few things early on, one of which was establish a real position in the industry that helped us to scale supply quickly. Much of my background comes from doing things on a national scale out of the gates, as opposed to picking one neighborhood in one market, proving something out, going longer to other upright, other adjacent neighborhoods, filling out the entirety of that market, and then going to a second market. We brought on gym chains. The power of network effects is real with this business. And it's to the benefit of every operator that was going to come on to have other operators on the platform. And so we launched this national, nationally with countless hundred plus gym chains right out of the gates. First two big partners were retro and you fit so 200 plus unit clubs, both forward thinking, and um, and that, that was the best thing that, that we did because it, it created a flywheel where the gyms came, consumers started to come. We got more gyms in the platform, more consumers came, and things just started to move. But you know, we 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 heard everything from you know why would I want 
non-members coming through my door? Why would I want you helping me to market, you know, to, to any other number of uh, questions? And because of the way that we set the product up, the clubs were entirely in partnership with us. We were working arm in arm as if we were, and we still are a marketing extension of their marketing teams. And that helped to alleviate concerns that the clubs had. And so making those decisions early on to really be aligned with the clubs was one of the most important things that we did. And one of the things I spent the majority of my time doing before launching the business. I think if the clubs look at it as another acquisition strategy, as opposed to something that is just, you know, pay by the minute, and they're looking at it as purely revenue, then they have a lot of opportunity to convert that person into a full paying member. It's a huge opportunity to get people in the door. And I think that that's a lot of the hesitation of consumers nowadays, right? Is like, that's why this a la carte process of boutique fitness has really become so popular because people don't don't want to get harassed by somebody or have to go through a long tour or a conversation when they come in at some point, you know? So I think that this makes a lot of sense. So who was your first brand partner? Was it you fit or retro? And, you know, how did they integrate this process simultaneously with their traditional business? Well, you hit the nail on the head with some of what you said, but you know, you, you, you said it, not me. Millennials and Gen Zers, there's there's certain components to accessing a gym in, in the way that one historically would that isn't in line with how they're 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 accessing everything else in their lives. And through our product, we create another marketing channel for operators to go through, which is one that they had not been pushing. And so it helps them to bring in a new demo through their doors. Retro came on before UFIT. Retro and UFIT were the first two partners. Third partner that came on was Charter Fitness. And that gave us pretty good coverage throughout the Northeast, Southeast, middle part of the country. And we were really off to the races after that, rounded it out the West Coast, mountainside came on. Uh, then, we, then, we, then we moved into California after going through Arizona and we were national. So it was pretty quick, one after the other. Retro was really forward thinking. Robbie, Robbie Spreckman at Retro is a great partner and got things going, helped us get off the ground. And then JJ Cregan at UFIT is one of the most innovative forward thinking guys in the industry now at Orange Theory. Really, really helped us out of the gates, helped us to think through how operators would feel best about this product integrating into the platform, how, how we could help the clubs to bring in as many people, the right people, not just people. So early on, we got asked questions like, is this great for travelers? It never really was our focus. Our focus is people who live or work in the vicinity of the clubs, right? Think in big cities, the working millennial, the individual who's either living next to a specific club or working next to it, introducing them in a way that's comfortable using their smartphone. That's who we were targeting and, and that's who we're trying to help the clubs um, market to. And really having a, a team of folks who are in the industry, been in the industry for 20 plus years, across all different types of clubs, from HBLPs to the mid-tier and super premium clubs because every club's different. It helped us to tool the product in a, in a way that it started to make sense for everyone, regardless of where on the spectrum a club might fall. And, you know, it's big props always to the Retro and UFIT for, for being the first two to jump onto the platform and helping us get started. I think, you know, I've heard so many gripes about 
you know, third-party vendors, aggregators, because I think that you have to have a strategy to acquire and convert that client once they come in your door. You can't look at them as just a visitor as if they're a day pass or somebody that just, you know, is there for, you know, 50 minutes and that's it. That's an opportunity. And if you're not prepared with a way to surprise and delight them and make them feel seen and heard, it's it's amazing how many studios I've been to that I've seen literally, oh, that's a class pass person or whatever. And they almost look at them as a second class citizen or don't give them that extra attention because they're not paying the premium or what have you. And that's definitely the wrong mindset. And yeah, if you have that mindset, then you're never going to take advantage of what the purpose is to bring these people in the door. It's like, the hardest part is getting somebody in the door. Now your job is to retain that person and get them to keep coming back by giving them an amazing experience. Why do you think so many people miss that? Absolutely. You're spot on. I I think there's a few things there. I think aggregators definitely get mischaracterized. It's going to be substantially more difficult, like you suggest, to convert someone who isn't coming through your doors than it is someone who's coming through your doors. And so if you're not paying, right, and you're getting someone who comes through your doors, you're making money on, you're getting paid to take the lead. And I think that's a mindset that's needed to be shifted for operators. So operators are used to controlling the entirety of the experience and it's overcoming that and helping the operator see the aggregator as a true partner. I think that is the trick just in the adjustment because gyms have been good at doing what they've been doing for so long and helping people, you know, creating an environment where people feel good and, and, and get to a place where they look, look better um, and feel better. And so for us, one of the other keys that we haven't touched on to overcoming the, op, the inherent tension that is palpable in the industry with regards to operators is that we do not have a membership model on our pay-per-use tool. So the other aggregators that are out there in the market are memberships. Part of the inherent tension is that any consumer who's driven by a membership organization through a club or studio's doors is going to be substantially more difficult to convert into a member of that club or studio because that person has a membership to the aggregator. And most people don't really want to have multiple memberships, or some people may have multiple and they don't want to add others on top of the multiple that they have. With our model, we're bringing free agents through the doors of the clubs that we're working with. Meaning those folks are not tethered to us. And so if we're bringing the right person, there's a point where it makes sense for that individual to become a member of the club. And that's part of our goal. And that's part of our business model on our pay-per-use access tool. And so for us, we're more than any marketing extension of the clubs and the studios, like I said, but we're also a lead gen tool. The individuals who we drive through our partners' doors, their information flows through the partners. Partners now feel comfortable that it's not a member of Flexit that we're bringing. It's a consumer. It's a user, which uh, that distinction is important and took a lot of education. And what that did was it really helped to alleviate some of the tension and it helped us to start to scale this quickly. That's a really important differentiator, the difference between a user and a member, right? A member, we're trying to create community. We're trying to create that longstanding relationship, but even so Flexit is still a business. So how are you encouraging people to use the platform and try different things until they find that home base, right? Is your investment, would you say your investment is really in the user and helping them find a home or is your investment more geared towards the operators and helping them have people come in the door that are, that are lead generators? Well, it's both. 
What we can do is we can try, try to drive the most qualified people through the doors of our partners. What we don't control and can't control is whether someone becomes a member of, of a gym, right? We don't play a part in that process. Oftentimes that information doesn't even flow back to us, but we can do our best. Uh, we're, we're a tech and marketing company to drive the right people through the right doors, introduce them. And if people want to use it on an a la carte basis, great. And uh, if people want to become members because it makes more sense for their lifestyle, for their wallet, whatever it is, then that's also great. And so we're here to do both of those and, and, and to do so in a way that the operators feel really comfortable with. And at what point did you decide to tack on the virtual personal training sessions and how does that work in conjunction with the minute by minute access, or is that a completely different stream? So those are different streams that can actually be used in parallel. So I'll rewind 18 months in a a second, but today I'm a big believer that the future fitness is the confluence of virtual and physical experiences. I really believe that there's been a lot of thought on both ends of the the spectrum and that things really fall more in the middle. So over the last year and a half, we've heard so much of brick and mortar is dead. And we've heard that virtual is past the peak of its hype cycle, hardware homes going away, things like that. I believe in the power of virtual as meaning connected, as not meaning at home, as not meaning in your living room, but really meaning wherever, whenever, which is our tagline. And so virtual experiences paired with physical experiences is the future of fitness. People are going to the gyms that are on our platform, on our legacy business, and they're using our virtual product at those gyms. People are also using our virtual product on the beach, at gas stations, at airports, at home in their living rooms. So the uses of virtual is expansive, and that's part of the power and the beauty of virtual. The direction that we went in with virtual was in many ways informed by a product that we released about three months before the pandemic. So at Consumer Electronics Show in January of 2020, we released a tool called Flexit Training. If you search in the app store, Uber, you'll see Uber and Uber for drivers, and you'll see the same thing with Flexit. If you search Flexit, you'll see Flexit and Flexit Training. So we have a consumer and a trainer side that was released to our ecosystem at CES in 2020. And what that tool enabled is consumers to access trainers at our gyms. So consumers could go as non-members of facilities, as Flexit customers, not only work out and pay for the minutes that they're working out, but they could also access trainers as a non-member. So imagine if you walked in, Vanessa, you were traveling, you came to New York City, you walked into Crunch and you wanted a trainer. And that trainer was training a member of Crunch at 10 a.m. and another member at noon if on the flexible training platform, you could work out with a trainer at that club at 11 a.m. That meant was that we were facilitating interactions in physical fitness centers between trainers and customers. So we were planning to release a virtual product, but not as soon as we did. Obviously, when COVID hit, every gym went, its doors shut, revenues went down, mostly to zero. And that became a very difficult position for a business, us included, that who, whose revenue was predicated on gym stores being open. But for us, it created immense opportunity. We feel very grateful. I'm fortunate that we're able to focus on accelerating the rollout of a virtual product. And um, the virtual product just took off um, even faster than the legacy business. And we launched what we call virtual personal training. So we built into our ecosystem, our own proprietary live two-way communication technology. We call it synchronous activity. So in the way that I'm looking at you, you're looking at hopefully, and we can hear and see one another. We wanted to bring that level of two-way interaction fitness we like to say that Zoom is for meetings and Flex is for training. And that's really what we tried to do with our own video tech. 
So we built special camera views, features such as trainers being able to draw on the screen to collect client form, project videos onto the screen, so on and so forth. And we integrated this into our app. We also uh, built the ability to use this across the web on any device. So it could be on a large format screen, TV, if you have web access, laptop, iPad, really any device. And we went all in on virtual personal training. And so in the same ecosystem, in our original app, the consumers were using at the beginning of 2019 to go pay by the minute to access gyms is our virtual offering. So you can go to a physical fitness center and you can work out live one-on-one with a virtual trainer. You can also do this from the confines of your home. You can do all of this, whether you have access to absolutely no equipment and just your body, moving your body can still give you a great workout. Body body weight live one-on-one training is unbelievably difficult. We can also do it if you have access to all types of equipment and trainers will adapt. What we're trying to do with virtual personal training is we're trying to educate consumers that live one-on-one is always going to be a more personalized experience that prioritizes form correction, feedback, accountability, and motivation that is not at levels that are not feasible through just pre-recorded or live stream. So without virtual personal training, let's think about what there is in virtual. There's a lot of different options. And I believe that's a good thing, the crowdedness of the space, because it means that people can find what works for them. You mentioned earlier on in conversation, this isn't a zero-sum game and it's not. Fitness isn't one size fits all. The problem with a live stream and pre-recorded um, and really hardware, because almost all of the content that's provisioned by hardware is live stream or pre-recorded, whether you're on a spin bike um, and you're taking a class or you're using uh, devices that get mounted to a wall or angled against the wall, it's pre-recorded content, is that the communication is one way. And what's going to work for you, Vanessa, and any consumer is not the same as what's going to work for any of the others. Because fitness is so personalized and not one size fits all. And so hence, live two-way communication, customizing experiences for the specific individual, for that individual's goals is absolutely essential in fitness. And so we're trying to bring the price point down on personal training. We're trying to educate people that it's just as easy to work out live one-on-one with somebody as it is to press play on a pre-recorded video or a live stream workout or to access pre-recorded or live stream content from a set of hardware and that it can be done anywhere at any time without access to any equipment. And we've pressed really hard on this over the last 18 months. Virtual personal training is our engine. Our legacy business, like I said, you can use VPT as we call it. At the, We also have a remote coaching tool called Connected Training where trainers can send clients off-day programming. So Vanessa, if I'm training you on Mondays and Wednesdays, on Tuesdays, I can send you a workout, do three sets of this for the video of me doing the exercise, and five sets of that with another video so that you and I are still engaged and I'm able to keep track of you and make sure you're staying on, on, you know, on the right path to hitting your goals. And then we launched Flexit Pro, which is our celebrity offering. It's a bit more expensive, but it's making the accessible, the inaccessible accessible to all. So if you want to work out live and one-on-one wherever you are in the world with Heidi Klum's trainer and JLo's trainer and 50 Cent's trainer, we're making these folks who typically would not be accessible uh, now open to everybody. And so Really at the core of what we're doing here at Flexit is creating flexible, non-intimidating experiences that are really empowering, that help people to get results that are very personalized and that are comfortable. Part of, part of personal training that's been prohibitive outside of cost is that people may not feel comfortable working out with others around them, looking at them in the middle of a floor of the gym. And so we've really tried to bring down the barriers 
not just again in cost, but in terms of so that we can empower people to really be their best versions of themselves through these wherever, whatever experiences. I love it. This is so interesting to me. Okay. So with the legacy business that we can say operators should look at that as an acquisition strategy, that's a marketing arm. Now with a personal training business, traditionally gyms require membership plus personal training as an add-on. So how are you seeing operators approach the conversion strategy for personal training? This is really interesting. So we have a little bit more complicated of an ecosystem. So I'll explain further. We have two different business lines on virtual. There's our direct-to-consumer business, which includes virtual personal training, which we've talked about, connected training, which I just mentioned, and Flexit Pro, which I just mentioned. We also have a series of white-labeled solutions. So we actually build fitness hubs that are centered around virtual personal training for gyms, studios, corporations. And so... We are the live one-on-one provider for Physique 57, for Crunch, for Blink, for so many others. And so those services are, are used and leveraged by those brands. They look and feel um, branded, but they're for the members of those organizations. Whereas in our open direct-to-consumer marketplace, it's more of a marketing exposure and revenue play than it is an acquisition play. So someone who's a a virtual personal training subscriber to Flexit is, is not someone that one of the gyms or studios is going to necessarily acquire directly on live one-on-one. It's someone who may go in now knowing about that brand and walk into their facilities and use their facilities and buy their in-person experiences, but that's a Flexit customer. So again, because we've been able to set our experiences up so the operators feel really comfortable, the engine product they understand is a lead gen tool. It's an acquisition tool for them virtual personal training, so a marketing and revenue play, and then white-labeled experiences or acquisition and marketing and revenue plays for them to go longer on tech and to extend their reach um, into people's homes and outside of brick and mortar. So hopefully that helps the audience to to understand our different set of products and how we're able to um, bring all these different brands together from their Blink, Crunch, Gold's, Physique, SolidCore, SLT, 24-Hour Fitness. We pretty much work with every major national, regional, local gym studio across the country to be able to create experiences that don't have inherent tensions that they feel really good about. Um, and you know, top of mind for us uh, is we're a nursing company. Um, we're really ingrained in the industry is making sure that all of our experiences are um, favorable to all of the gyms and studios. So we win when they win. And that's how the virtual personal training direct consumer marketplace is set up. Someone comes to us, they're working out with a 24-hour fitness trainer. That's an opportunity that we both, and so the, the principles, the logic behind how we built the business, business line, whether it's on virtual or it's on the legacy business, it's the same principles. It's win-win opportunities where us and our partners win. We create more value, again, not a zero-sum game. And it's all about giving people great experiences that are personalized because fitness isn't one size fits all. It's definitely not. So since it's not one size fits all for your acquisition strategy, when you're reaching out, you know, trying to acquire new people for your personal training business, are you going after people that are new to fitness? Are you looking for a traditional fitness consumer? Because I think that the language that we use really resonates with different consumers. So I'm just curious as to like, who is that client that you're going after and how do you talk to them? Absolutely. So I think we covered the, the engine product consumer. It's that working professional, millennial, Gen Zer. It's the individual who's using a smartphone, using apps to access pretty much everything in their lives. 
the virtual personal training consumer actually can, can reach a bit older, skew a bit older. And, and that's been exciting for us. Virtual personal training is, it can be for your lead athlete. I truly believe that everyone should personal train, whether you're very fit, looking to get to the next level, or you've never worked out before. But one of the beauties in the areas we've really been able to focus on is helping people who haven't moved that much or who want to get back into moving, start moving again. And so we put a lot of energy into that. We, I, we, we really want to build experiences that can cater to and help everyone. Uh, but in terms of specificity, we're very focused. 80% of Americans aren't working out. We're really focused on helping people who aren't working out, start working out. People who want to start to continue to work out, but want to start to do so differently to achieve that. You know, for simplicity's sakes, that we're less focused on the elite athlete virtual personal training. Although, of course, we do have many elite athletes. We actually have a large set of celebrities, athletes, retired athletes working out on our platform, Terrell Owens, Bart Scott, Austin Earn on the LPGA. So we've got all sorts of folks who are elite, who are training with us, taking their, their fitness to the next level. But our focus is really on helping people to make lifestyle changes. So if you're if your legacy business is the customer is a user on the virtual training side of the business, would you consider that person to be a member? Because consistency is really what gets people results. So I'm just curious as to if you look at them differently, if you create packages for them to incentivize them to continue on, because it's a bit of a different business model. So it's pure pay per use on the gym access. We do have packages that are offered uh, and programs that are offered. Uh, because like you said, fitness is about results. One personal training session in person, one virtual personal training session can't really change someone's life. But when you're doing it consistently two times a week, three times a week, month over month, you start to, to look and feel better because you're seeing results. And so we sell what we call results-based. So we're selling programs for people working out two, three, four times a week. They're working out at the same time every week. We're doing digitally what gyms have been doing for a long time in physical fitness centers. And that's how people are seeing real results and making real impact on, on people's lives. And the stories from customers have been absolutely incredible. You know, we got a lot of opportunity as a business by going along on virtual during COVID. But the reason that we feel really great about that is because we helped so many people in a really positive way and change their lives and getting those user stories has been fulfilling. So yes, we, we, have, we have folks who are on packages and on programs with us, uh, working out at, at regular cadences, which is a different way of accessing and they access our legacy business. I love that because you really do have different ways to access the products and services so that you know, different things resonate with different people. I personally have worked out with so many trainers and I love having the relationship, but sometimes you create this relationship and then all of a sudden you're scheduling around that trainer's availability. It's like, well, I want to work out at 10, but you have a client. And now all of a sudden I find myself working out at four because that's on your timetable. And I love having that flexibility for the consumer. You know, it really is a consumer centric business model and that's so important. And that's what keeps people going, right? They don't feel like, okay, now I'm paying for the service and I'm inconvenienced. I'm really able to, to work out on, on my timeline. So we, we, we really like to say here that we're all about helping people to, to fit fitness into their lives as opposed to structuring their lives around their fitness, which is exactly what you just described. 
Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, boutique studios and I love the experience, but sometimes these times are just inconvenient for you. And it's like, that shouldn't be a reason that I don't work out because you know, that, that time slot just doesn't work for me that, that one particular day. And for that reason, I really do agree with your notion that, you know, the future is going to be this version of in-person and online because, you know, nothing beats the in-person experience, but at the end of the day, convenience is king. Right. And so even if I go to the gym physically five days a week to be able to work out at the comfort of my home, one or two days a week is really, you know, it's something that I think consumers are just acclimated to right now. And like you said, convenience is just a part of our everyday lives. So why shouldn't that translate over to fitness? Just one other question. So I noticed that you trademarked the term virtual personal training, and I've been through the trademarking process, which is a beast. So I just love to hear, you know, what made you say, Hey, I want to trademark this, this part of the business is important to trademark and what that process was like. Well, we, we really like to believe that we are the leaders in virtual personal training. If you search, uh, what's it or virtual, if you just search virtual personal training, we show up first organically. You can't pay for that. That is, that is not a pay to play spot. So we were early in that and we knew this was going to be huge and take off. And, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer and proponent of IP. So it's not just there, but it's not just our outward facing products and our, we own the mark on wherever, whenever there's a lot of folks in the space who've used, maybe using wherever, whenever we own the marks on, you know, pretty much everything that we're outward facing with, but we also own the marks on a lot of stuff that we're not outward facing with. And so to answer your question, I've always been a big believer of the, 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 the way that things could play out over the longer term and, and the opportunity. I'm always thinking about the future and many steps ahead. And what are we doing in 12 months and in 24 months, three years from now? But a lot of those things are things that we're sitting on, that we've been sitting on for a while. And so I'm um, always paying very close attention to IP and, and ownership and what others are doing out there in the space. And the virtual per- personal training was something that we were thinking about before we decided to do it. That's very smart. I feel like sometimes many businesses are caught up in the actual execution of the day to day and don't have that big picture vision. And then it's like, okay, now we've been doing this for four years. Now let's go trademark it and it's not available. So well, I thought that was you have really interesting. Back back down, back down to earth, right? There's there's things we want to do today that that we're that we're waiting to do. Um but yeah, I think the long term is really important. I think the one thing that was unanimous for business leaders throughout the last 18 months was how difficult it was to make longer term decisions. Right? Decisions had to be really short term during most of COVID. Uh, obviously, now it's possible to make somewhat of longer term decisions. But yeah, my, my advice would be, I, I, I think personally that IP is really important. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today to talk about Flexit and all these different business lines that you have and and the innovations that you've had through the business over time. If somebody was interested in connecting with you or learning more about Flexit, how could they do that? Please reach out to info at flexit.fit, I-N-F-O at flexit, F-L-E-X-I-T dot F-I-T. And love to connect. Uh, very responsive. And Vanessa, appreciate the time. Um, excited to be here. Love your platform and the content that you're creating. And um, just really excited generally about where fitness and the industry are heading. We're in an, uh, an unbelievably um, important time now. There's so much optionality and so much innovation. And it's awesome to see so many companies pressing the envelope and giving consumers so many options to live healthier lives. So 
I'm Austin Cohen, a founder and CEO. We're looking forward to bringing more immersive experiences to consumers really everywhere across the world, not just in the U.S. Appreciate you having me on the show today and for the time. Thanks, Austin. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handle. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.